Maybe big data has gotten too big. Whether you're a B2B marketer or a consumer brand, your data needs to be viable, relevant, and accessible so that Starista can help you retain customers, acquire customers, and make it personal. Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ear. I'm Vin, the producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges of the market. And we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, Tina Scala, Senior Vice President of Global Sales at Qualify and Informa Markets, chats with Vincent about finding new ways to reach clients when they aren't attending live events. She discusses how an omnichannel approach was the key to connecting digitally without exhausting online video calls. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. I am your happy host, Vincent Petrofasa, the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships here at Starista, still Interim General Manager, still just a Vice President. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm happy to be a VP. You know, it's, it's great. I love it here at Starista, still Interim General Manager. We always joke about that on the podcast. Our true core listeners will know what I mean by that, but it's okay. We're having fun. We're doing some great things here. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you first time listening, let me tell you a little bit about Marketing Stir, the Strista. So you're wondering, Strista, this is the only time I'll talk about the company. We don't take any advertising here. I just talk about us for like 10 seconds. Marketing technology company. We own our own business to business data, business to consumer data. We help companies access that data through our technology to help them get new customers. Who doesn't want new customers? I know you do. So that's all, ladies and gentlemen of the Marketing Stir. We talk to business professionals in this field, marketing, sales, CMOs, VPs, interim general managers. I'm kidding. We actually have never talked to an interim anything. It's just a title that I hold and I, and I love it. So that's who we are. We are coming at you. We hope everyone enjoyed the holidays. We're past that. We're well into January now, February. I don't know when this comes out. I'm just the hired help who just gets to talk to you amazing people. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm also flying solo again. I know this has happened a few times. Let's all message AJ and tell him, you know, get your priorities straight, pal. But actually, AJ Gupta, our CEO, our commander-in-chief here at Starista, he is at CES. He is attending that, just meeting with great people. Maybe he's met with one of you. Who knows? I have no idea. But I did not attend. Way too close to after the holiday CES. It's yeah, I get it, Vegas. I get the draw. It's a great show. I need to recuperate. When you have a family and you have children after the holidays, ooh, that takes a lot out of you. This is crazy stuff. But ladies and gentlemen, I am flying solo, but I'm happy to do it because I have a guest on where, oddly enough, we've, we've never met, but, and I, you've heard me say this a few different times, but this, I feel like I've known this, but I feel like I could be related to this person. You know, I think it's just like one of those where you know, we probably cross paths a hundred times and we've just not known it. I feel it's like, yeah, I, I probably, you know, I, this could be a relative of mine. We could have Christmas Eve together, the Feast of the Seven Fishes. She'll know what that means. She'll know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. Please, a warm welcome. Tina Scala, she's the Senior Vice President, Global Sales at Qualify and Informa Markets Company. Again, my friend, Tina Scala. What's going on, Tina? 
Hey, Vince, good to see you. Good to see you. I Don't you feel that way too? I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but I'm like, how have we never met? I know it does seem strange, but I think it's the Italian connection, right? The yes. loud, the boisterous, the celebrate the holidays and the feast of seven fishes. See, you know what I meant? I know, I always talk to people on this podcast and AJ being from San Antonio, Texas, he is always just fascinated. He's like, how did you know they were like a New Yorker? Or how did you know they were Italian? Uh, you know, sometimes it, the, the, you know, your last name gives it away, just like mine uh, gives it away, uh, Tina. But a lot of people, it doesn't matter. There'll be a person who has Italian, no trace of Italian last name. And I'm like, wait, are you also Italian? They're like, I am. I nail it every time. I nail it every time. And it drives him crazy in a good way. He's like, how did you know that? But it is great to see you, Tina. So yeah, we actually have, we have a ton of people in common. You know, our, our mutual pal, Terry DeLisa, she had recommended, shout out to Terry. She had recommended, he's like, you gotta talk to my friend, Tina. And then I look and I see how many people we have in common. I'm like, what in the heck? So again, glad you're here. We'll meet in person soon enough, uh, hopefully, because now people, Tina, are going out to conferences. It's, uh, you know, the new year. So all the conferences start. I think people are going to be going out in droves and I want to get your take on conferences and trade shows because I know that you know that that's a, a big thing of, of what you know you, you've done and you do there but uh, as far as the company wise but let's get into the company what I that was a mouthful that I had to read there it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff uh, you know but tell us about qualify and inform a markets company now I feel like qualify is a huge company so you know talk to us about the connection and then your role tina as the svp of global sales so informa markets is a huge publicly traded uk company um, we joke at work that it's the biggest company no one's ever heard of mm -hmm. um, we put on 525 conferences and trade shows a year um, and when COVID hit it was quite interesting right Everybody was like, oh, my God, we're not going to be doing live events anymore. What's that going to look like? Um, and Qualify is the B2B marketing arm of Informa Market. So like Starista, we own and operate our own B2B data, and we sell full funnel marketing to sometimes the people that exhibit at our trade shows. But what was really interesting was in 2020, when the trade show and live event industry kind of went kaput with COVID, um, there was a huge pivot to how do we put people in front of their buyers and sellers virtually. Um, and Qualify really took shape in that arena. So we put people in front of their buyers and sellers and they trust us because we're the trade show company. But in the same way, they're like, who are you? So there's been a bit of that. Um, but we have consented first party data um, in a world that is moving you know, in that direction. Where are we gonna go with all this new compliance and privacy? How do we keep, get, how do we keep getting in touch with people given um, the changes in compliance and privacy? So we have cookie list first party data that we gather at our trade shows and through our publications. Um, Informa owns many publications in different verticals and so we have very targeted data. Um, and what we saw in 2020, when the whole market decided, you know, it wasn't safe to do in-market events, was there's a huge 
overlay between doing this in a digital world and doing it in reality. And one doesn't overtake the other. They actually really need to be in tandem. I mean, hence the fact that AJ is at CES. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, exactly right. And, and you, you have an industry where you pivoted and that's why we wanted to get your opinion because it's like, wait, the trade shows, what, what happened? I, I love in-person trade shows. I just, I guess people can obviously tell from my personality. I, I, I'm an extrovert and I like to get out there and meet people. How did you pivot, Tina? And, and then I'd love to learn more about, you know, uh, some of the trade shows that you do and where people could find it. And, and, you know, some of them, uh, you know, out there again, I'm, it's one of those things where then people are like, oh my goodness, I've heard of that show. I've heard of that show. I've heard of that show. But to your point, maybe people don't know the, always know the people behind it. So talk yeah. to us about how the pivot, a little bit about the shows as well. So it's interesting. I live in Boulder, Colorado, um, even though I'm a native New Yorker. Um, <laughs> and in Boulder, everyone's in the natural foods business. So Informa puts on Expo West and Expo East, which are huge trade shows for the natural foods products. Um, and so what happens is we gather data for people that are coming to those events, both from publications, we have intent and content contextual data, as well as relevant B2B first party data. Um, and we run a lot of products in conjunction with trade shows, but also separate. So my team actually deals with large marketers um, and big brands outside of the trade show industry. So you might have a large brand that goes to World of Concrete, which is one of our shows coming up here in January in Vegas, um, which I'd never really given much thought to being in the data business. Uh, but those folks, you know, that's where maybe pool contractors come to find concrete folks or where, you know, so it's a, it's a big, putting together of buyers and sellers. And we do that in a virtual always on year round way that actually can be a great complement to the trade show business. Mm -hmm. And they operate very successfully as independent businesses. And, and you know, what you're saying, you're speaking my language, right? I love B2B, I, that's, that's my area there uh, of, uh, you know, that I've been involved with for the last you know, eight to 10 years. So I love that type of marketing. And you, like you said, you're getting, you know, real deep down information because these are people who are, you know, attending trade shows, you know, when you attend trade shows, you're, you're, you're giving out great information because you want, you want to meet people who share similar interests. You want to meet people who where maybe your product or service makes sense. So I, I love that. So Tina, talk to us about, let's take a step back, right? One of the questions, because my listeners will let me hear it if I don't ask one or two of our staple questions. How'd you get started in this business, right? Just how'd you get started? Why B2B? Uh, you know, how'd you get started in this world of marketing to begin with? Yeah, so I actually started in tech. You know, really, it was straight software. Um, and I was working for a really cool analytics company at the beginning of social media. So we were... Um, gathering the Twitter firehose. Now, this is dating myself, um, and using that to drive intent for buyers. Um, and we had some pretty cool analytics and AI going in the early days. And the company was bought by Oracle, so I got swept into the stack, um, which pretty quickly 
moved into the marketing martech ad tech space and so from there went to really cool companies like kenshu which is now sky um, and then i was at wonderman for a stint which mm-hmm. is where i met terry and aj actually because yeah. aj you know we had a partnership with starista at wonderman so it's been it's been an interesting journey and there's been a whole lot of changes in a velocity that moves incredibly quickly um, especially as we try and keep up not only with the technologies, but also with the compliance and privacy issues that are changing every day. Yeah, no, it, it, it definitely, you know, seems that way. So you were always in, always in B2B uh, for, for the most part. Well, we were at B2C, mostly at Oracle. You know, we, we spent a lot of Oh, that piece of it, yeah. Products and, and whatnot, big buyers. I did a stint at Invoca and we do a lot of B2C there. Um, in terms of uh, the end product. So yeah, and so I, all good, little mix. It's all, it's all been about how the attribution works in those technologies. Um, and for us, you know, marketers are always looking for ROI and they're struggling with budgets. You know, here we're heading into a recession. You read the newspaper and everyone's talking about, you know, it's going to be a really tough year. There's a recession coming, inflation's up. So marketers are getting asked, you know, to do a lot more with a lot less. Uh, definitely. You know, we, we've, even before you've heard, uh, you know, attribution being a big thing, how do we track this? We need to track this. We, we, we want to know uh, where, where some of our customers are coming from, what channels. And yeah, you're right. I think a lot of people still are very much marketing, Tina, but it's more of the doing it uh, smarter. They're doing it smarter. They're, they're, you know, maybe the testing of different channels is, is not as, you know, abundant as it normally is, but it's kind of going with those proven channels and seeing and putting more budgets there. So I t- totally agree. In your role, Tina, let's talk about different industries. Cause I feel like you mentioned like the world of concrete, then you mentioned Expo West. That's a whole different, you kind of have to have your finger on the pulse of a variety of industries. So talk to us about any industries you see and work with that maybe have struggled throughout these last few years and, and some that have flourished. You know, I would imagine, you know, you talk about something like it's concrete, but like it, it, did that not flourish because maybe buildings weren't going up, but people were doing a lot of different changes to their homes. Talk to me about that whole thing. Yeah, you know, we do, we play a lot in construction and engineering. And I think we saw a little bit of a slowdown there, but what we saw was, a pickup in other industries like healthcare and pharma. We do a lot of that work. So, um, you know, there's always the balance, of course. And in reality, Vince, we thought we'd see such a slowdown with people not going to live events, but it really gave us an opportunity to figure out how are we gonna touch our clients when they don't come to live events? Mm -hmm. And how is that omni-channel approach gonna work? when you know you've lost an entire channel of in real life and so we filtered it out a lot with um, virtual events which i think we all got really sick of zoom right Mm -hmm. in two years as well as you know how do we hit each other in a digital manner without it you know that fine balance of not too much yeah i i agree but and i think a lot of people are 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 fatigued uh, of the zoom it's it's a great it's still a great way to I love like before Zoom, it was like a conference line. You never got to see people, you know, and then you got to see people's lives, you know, and, and it was out there. It was like, all right, hey, this is which which I love, right? A lot of people 
you know, kids running in. That was like before you're like, no, 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 get out of here. Now it's, it's welcome. So good, good parts, but Zoom fatigued for sure. But tell us, like, you especially would know this, 2023, right? Is, you know, are people just live events just back? Are you seeing, uh, is it almost like almost back to normal? 75, 25, what are your thoughts, Tina? Yeah, we saw it come back pretty strong in 2022, surprisingly. Our numbers were up and with the supplemental digital products that we had to actually offer year round. So what happens is somebody comes to World of Concrete and we used to have digital assets that they would use 30 days before or 30 days after a show. But what we came to realize in COVID was people wanted always on marketing. So how are you gonna be in front of your clients you know, 12 months a year, not just before before or after a show. And so Qualify really took off in a way of doing full funnel marketing, you know, starting with that brand awareness, whether you're launching a new product, a new market, or you're looking for a very targeted audience. And this is the thing, Vince, you know, when we think about budgets getting cut, I, I think that people like Starista, and qualify are in a good position because you need something more targeted and audience segments that are much more honed than a kind of spray and pray marketing, right? So how am I gonna get in touch with these particular people that I know are looking for what I have and really hone those audiences and not waste a whole lot of marketing spend? No, I, I agree. And especially, you, know, you bring up a good point you know, with, with Starista, I think, uh, and, and qualify as well. Uh, Strista having our own technology. A lot of people like it to stay in one place and, and, and qualify. You know, these are people actually attending these conferences. You, you have all this wealth of information on them. Like, hey, this would be a great buyer. This, this is a person actually attending the show. It's, it, it really helps. You know, getting that, that really targeted data, you know, on the B2B side, that is, that's great because, you know, a B2B marketer, they have oftentimes their products and solutions a good price point, right? You really need to hone in on that buyer. So I, I love what you're doing there. So Tina, talk to us how, you know, again, I, I want to go back to this industry. I feel like you have your finger on the pulse of it. How are you, know, how do you keep up with industry trends? How can keep people keep up on industry trends as well? This podcast. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we we do, it. we do a fair amount of that. And, you know, there's so much trade information out there, but I do think that there's a, a beautiful marriage between in live events, so that all the IAB events, um, as well as the trade mags, I think really help us keep up to date. I think the hardest thing is to navigate where everything's going. You know, we I work globally, so all of the GDPR and the castle regulations, what that looks like, CCPA. I mean, for those of us that are East Coast, it's like totally different regulations mm -hmm. than when you're working West Coast. Um, so I think we're gonna see more changes. I mean, I was reading yesterday about the EU locking down on Meta and you know all of how things work in EMEA, which is a big thing for marketers like us to figure out. It's a market where there's a lot of opportunity and you really have to navigate very carefully on how you target people. And you're, you're absolutely right. And then privacy comes up a lot in, uh, on the podcast and, and in this industry. 
Would you say, Tina, that that's one of the biggest challenges that you kind of face in, in your role? Or, or if not, what, what are some of those challenges and how are you uh, tackling them? Yeah, I think the privacy is a really big one. And when you're a huge publicly traded UK company, um, you know, we're a little risk adverse for playing loose and, loose and fast. So you have to really be um, compliant, but also super careful. So I think it's that, the privacy issues, I think also the cookie-less future. I mean, I don't know how long Google's gonna keep pushing that out, mm -hmm. um, but for us, we work in a cookie-less world anyway. So just preparing for what that looks like and when the rest of the world comes forward. I mean, we're seeing a lot of changes, right? There's more clean rooms now than ever before. Mm -hmm. People putting their data in that. I mean, Snowflake came out of nowhere and now is like in everybody's vernacular. Yep. So what does that mean um, going forward? And I think, thank God, there's smarter people than me to figure that out. Hmm. Well, yeah, you know, you said it, it, it's, uh, think about three years ago, now, Zoom is part of the vernacular in our, you know, Snowflake is part of the vernacular, especially in our world. Uh, QR codes are now part of the vernacular. Right? I know. Who Remember? thought the QR code was going to come back? Isn't it crazy? Like, you know, 10 years ago, people were like, I'm not using that. Like some who's watching me. Right. It's like now it's, you know, I guess I always say in the packet, my mother-in-law is like using it at restaurants. She's like, oh, maybe I'll get the chicken parm. Like she's and people. <laughs> yeah. People in their 70s using uh, you know, yeah. it's it's amazing. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been, uh, it's been Well, and I think, crazy. you know, to that point, Vince, it's like, we, we used to be in offices more, right? So now right. I'm sitting in Vail, Colorado, um, hoping to get a couple runs in this afternoon. Nice. And, and it, every, it's always on. So I think always on in anywhere is both good and bad, right? So how do we how do we get to our clients in an always-on world where they are, you know, dispersed in a different way than ever before? Yeah, no, I, exactly. I, I feel that way a lot. I mean, it's easier now because, again, you can see your clients with, 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 a, with a Zoom call. But, you know, I, I, I liked going back to that face-to-face. That -face. And you're right. Everyone's always on. It's like I find myself, you know, New Year's Eve working uh you know working with some of my clients answering some of them it's yeah it's, it isn't always on uh well let's, let's get back to something tina so you you know uh you're a female leader you are you're a woman in tech right i want to explore that and what has been the most like significant barrier i would say in your career as a female leader women in tech have you been confronted with any gender related roadblocks in your career you know i think i've been afforded very good bosses mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that makes a big difference. I wouldn't say that there aren't gender barriers. Of course there are. I mean, you look at the C-suite and I work for an English company. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the C-suite is typically white males. Um, so I think we're seeing those changes slowly. I mean, AJ is a perfect example of that. I've worked for some amazing humans um, you know, in my past roles where diversity really is something that is valued and honed. But I think it's it's a pendulum swing, right? It takes it takes time for that to shift. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And we always say, yeah, we're we work, uh, you know, we're fortunate that we you know we have a 
a strong leader. We have a, a you know minority-owned business as well. So you know AJ doesn't take that lightly. He really prides himself on that. But yeah, no, I, I agree. You know the the, the C-suite. You look around, and you know we could uh, all around. I think companies could use a, a lot of help there. Let's talk about a couple great things that a that it you know in uh, qualifies doing, and then you're doing in in as well in particular on your own. So. Uh, you know, Inform, I've been reading a lot about some of the initiatives that you're, they're doing to reduce the carbon footprint. Talk to us about that, you know, the sustainability. I've been reading a lot of uh, posts about it, so I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, it's a huge initiative at Informa in the, at the corporate level. Um, Buy-in all the way from Stephen Carter, our CEO, to be, um, to be carbon neutral by 2025. Um, which is really aggressive. Um, we're going to be zero waste by 2030. Uh, that means we've had to really do carbon offsets on all of our corporate travel, which is not small when you have, you know, 25,000 people. Um, but also, I think the important thing is, is that we've run all these in-person events. And so getting to zero waste is a really big piece of it. Um, our office in Boulder, Colorado is run by solar. So 95% of all the electricity and informa markets in all of our offices is run by renewable energy. Wow. And that is a huge commitment um, from the top. And I think these are really important things um, that we need to set an example for. And I think informa really understands that the leverage that they have overall and how they can change the marketplace. So again, let's go back to natural, you know, Expo West and mm -hmm. East, which are, you know, you have all these organic food companies, some owned by large conglomerates, some are, you know, small to medium and innovative businesses. But when 2020 came and we couldn't have our trade shows in person, you know, Informa started a fund, Informa Market started a fund to supplement, um, small businesses and emerging brands. And they set aside $5 million to help those businesses get through the pandemic. So there's a large commitment to sustainability and growth and how that looks for us going forward. And we really pass a lot of that learning on to our partners. So, and I mean, for us, we are carbon neutral within the group because of the work that we do in data. That's amazing. No, it's great. It's great to hear. And again, I was reading quite a bit about it on, on some of the LinkedIn, uh, you know, uh, posts that I've seen about uh, qualified and Informa. But let's get to you, Tito. Let's get to this is the part we kind of get to know you a little bit. One of the things, many things that uh, I, I like about you, but you know, we always love to highlight a nonprofit organization on this, uh, you know, on the podcast. Strista does a lot of work. Me personally. But you founded a nonprofit organization. Women have wings. What inspired you to start that? And, and you know, what, can you tell us a little bit about it? And you know, maybe some of the highlights of 2022. Yeah. So way back in I guess it was 2010, 2009. Um, my former partner and I had the good fortune of ending up with um, Amelia Earhart's lookalike plane. 
Um, and we were trying to figure out what we could do with this plane that was the Lockheed Electra 2E that Amelia Earhart flew around the world. Nice. And we thought about doing a around the world flight with a female pilot, highlighting women of courage. And then we realized that really we could just highlight women of courage who lived in the way that Amelia Earhart lived. Um, and Women Have Wings was born out of that to highlight women doing outstanding things around the world and became a granting organization um, with some pretty powerful players on our board who help us highlight women all over the globe who are doing amazing things, Africa, Asia. And so it's quickly become a granting organization. They give out um, $10,000 grants to five to 10 people a year um, to start businesses or increase um, the work that they're already doing in marketplaces around the world. So it's pretty cool. That's amazing. And now can people go and donate uh, right, right down under the site there? Yep. Is it, yep. yep. People it's, can uh, donate womenhavewings.org, their... yep. right? That's amazing. No, yeah, we appreciate that you do that. That's that's all. What a yeah. How'd you get a? How'd you just come across Amelia Earhart's plane? That's just something that you don't. They don't have yeah. that on eBay, Tina. What's going on? Right, it was a strange um, inheritance, and yeah, it's that's a long story that probably we don't have time for. But it it really did give birth to something amazing that's been going now for about. 13 years and wow. will continue to go and has gotten the attention of some amazing female leaders around the world. That's amazing. You have to share that story with me over drinks one, uh, one day. So Tina, let's, let's, again, we're getting to know you. This is a, this is our signature question. This is a question that every single one of our guests, hundreds of them now have been asked. It is our infamous LinkedIn question. I feel like there should be like a, a horn in my head. You know that like thing that goes like at sporting events? And your title, right? You probably get a ton of LinkedIn messages, majority of them unsolicited. And what's a message that you respond to? And what's a message that you just hate? It's a pet peeve of yours on LinkedIn. So as somebody who runs a global sales team, that includes BDRs, right? Mm -hmm. So those folks that are tasked with filling pipeline for the sales team. I, my pet peeve is lazy outbound reach. Mm -hmm. Don't just, I mean, the cut and paste where it's like, it sometimes comes to me, it's like Scala, because they've like put my last name in there instead yeah. of my first name. And you're like, really? Yeah, it's my, my first name is four letters. Come on. Right, yeah. right. It's like, so I think the lazy, I always tell my BDR team, yes, of course you do some nurture and some broad outreach or some brand awareness campaigns, but can you not take time, especially for if you're going for the senior buyer who you think is your senior buyer and hone that content for something that's interesting to me. So I like to put something out there, like a nugget that says, hey, we saw this type of return, some data, right? Mm -hmm. That says, wouldn't this be interesting for your business? And then I'll stop and say, wow, that would be interesting for my business. Um, I don't like the, the entitled, you know, you should just respond to me. This is the fourth time I've reached out to you. Yeah. I'm like, delete. 
Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I like your perspective from a sales leader because a lot of the things we hear, which I, which I love to hear, are from BD, leaders of BDR, you know, that just people who manage the BDRs uh, or BDRs and SDRs themselves were like, thank you for this podcast because it's changed the way we've reached out to people because we've never had anyone on this podcast who's like, oh yeah, I prefer a message where they get my last name wrong or the <laughs> font is clearly different and I respond and I place a $100,000 order. It's like, no, it, it's the personal touch. Uh, we, we've even done that with, uh, you know, our own sales team. In fact, when, when incoming salespeople come in to Strista, we're like, listen to a few episodes of the podcast. This is the approach. It, it's, yeah, we, we don't, it's like, don't, I think sales leaders should not care about, oh, you need to make your 4,000 touches for the month. It's just get a meeting. Well, but it, yeah. it's funny. I got a cold call one day, which is funny because now people get your cell phones. Yeah. What's a cold call? Wait a minute. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. So this young kid clearly reading his script. Yeah. So I let him get through it. And then I say to him, so you sound a little nervous mm -hmm. and you're clearly reading the script to me. <laughs> said, as somebody who runs sales teams, I want to give you a little pointers here. So we had this tutorial back and forth. And by the end, he said, I can't thank you enough for helping me do my job better. And I That's thought awesome. they're endeavoring to do the right things. Most of these outbound reaches are coming from folks that are maybe in their first sales job. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of empathy, but I don't have a lot of time. And so you want to make sure that you're you're, you know, this whole cadence of you have to hit somebody 12 times, 12 to 14 touches. And it's like, okay, by the third time, you're really annoying me. Mm -hmm. So I want to help you make that useful for both of us. So if you're putting something out there that could be interesting, like three bullet points from a case study in the industry vertical that's relevant to the person you're targeting is not that hard. No, I agree. You know, I, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, I, you have to practice what you preach. You're right. Those messages, I was at the airport the other day and someone called me, a cold call as well. And they said, hey, just want to let you know, I'm a big fan of the podcast. I listened to this episode and I wasn't the person who made the decision on what this person was selling. He did a great job, this particular. And I said, look, I'll connect you. I said, look, uh, you know, I'll find out if they want a meeting. If not, I'll let you know that it's a no. And I know that a no is better than a maybe or ignoring you, right? So, right. yeah, I, yeah that's well, awesome. So, you know, interestingly, Vince, we, we like to say that at Qualify, we eat our own dog food. Yeah. So we do full funnel marketing for our clients. So that's everything from brand awareness to, you know, contextual um, intent-driven insights to lead gen in a full funnel marketing funnel, right? I use that exact same technology. I use my own stuff with mm -hmm. my BDR team and I create content that I run through that full funnel to make it useful. I give my BDRs content that I think is honed and targeted and industry specific. Like I know data, right? We're selling ones and zeros, so to speak, but people like to think that everyone's unique. Right. So if I'm running a construction company, I don't want a pharma case study, then send me a construction case study. And so 
getting the team to understand that because that's actually what our clients are paying us to help them do. It really, it's changing the game. Yeah, no, I love that. And it's like, you know, you're giving them very specific case studies, but you're also, you're the case study as well. Look, I'm doing this marketing <laughs> for, for myself. I, I love that. We practice that as well. So Tina, tell me that this is now the, the personal side. So what do you like to do for fun? Skiing, obviously, right? Uh, you know, what are some of the hobbies? And also let me ask, how does a fellow New Yorker wind up in Boulder, Colorado? Uh, I came to see you way back in the day. I don't want to give you an exact date because that's embarrassing. Um, and then I spent 10 years overseas. I worked in the uh, satellite telecom business just when the internet was kind of getting started and we were distributing internet via satellite. Um, and after five years in the UK at the end of that stint, um, I thought, well, it'd be really nice to come back to Colorado where it's sunny. Um, one needs to spend a few winters in, in England to realize that we oh, take yeah. the sun for granted out here. You're definitely right. So uh, let's get to see you. Are you excited about uh, your new coach, primetime Deion Sanders? It has to help, right? That's yeah. what I say. It has to help. He's got a big task ahead of him. I mean, I do spend a fair amount of time mentoring up at the business school at, up nice. at, Lee, at CU. And so they are very excited there because um, Leeds has made, you know, leaps and bounds as far as business schools go, but the football team's been dragging them back. So it's going to be uh, good to see. Yeah, no, that, that, that is uh, definitely cool. No, Boulder, I've never visited out there. Uh, I have my, uh, my wife, uh, my friend's husband owns Boulder Beer Company over oh, there. Yeah. So yeah, some great, uh, some great beer. I've been to Denver, got to make it out to Boulder. So Tina, so skiing, right? That's one of the, one of your hobbies. What else do you like to do for fun? I love to travel. I spend about a third of my time in Portugal. Um, oh, nice. And often work from there, which is quite nice because my team, half my team's in Europe. So they then get me on their time zones, which is, makes life a little bit more convenient. And just, you know, being outside, it's bolder. You got to yeah. get out here because there's a lot to do in the mountains besides ski. That's awesome. No, I, I definitely want to make it out there. Tina, uh, a final thought for people listening what, or something that you want people to take away from this podcast? Um, I think staying curious. One of the things I love about the podcast is you ask a lot of great questions, get people to think about things both from a marketing perspective, but also from a personal growth perspective. And I think the most important thing that any of us can do is to stay curious. And so that for me is, is the future, right? Because if we stop being curious, we stop growing. I love it. I love it. Tina, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, my New York friend. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed the episode. That is Tina Scala. She's the Senior Vice President, Global Sales at Qualify, an informal markets company. Check her out. Check them out. Check Women Have Wings, please, uh, out as well. That's been Tina Scala. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. AJ Gupta is in CES. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.